In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 The Bible is amazing. Can I get an amen on that? This book is like, it is, it's like no other. It's like no other. And we can, we can approach this book in a lot of different ways. We can look at this book as something we just kind of have to read because we're supposed to read it because we're Christians. We can look at this book as, as just kind of tips and tricks on how to live a, a best life right now. We can look at this book as just being filled with doctrine and rules and, and ways to live. And it is filled with doctrine and it is filled with God's way about how to live. We, we, can, we can look at this book as a rule book, but it's so much more. The Bible is incredible. It's, it's a history book. How many of you love reading the history that God has given us in the Bible? It, it's, it's incredible. It's, this book is poetry, the best poetry you can find right here in the Bible. This book is prophetic in the sense that it tells us what is yet to come. It, it, it's a book of promises from God. It's, it's mysterious. It's supernatural what happens. Even getting in the Bible and reading it, supernatural things begin to happen in our lives just because we read it. I mean, what other book does that happen with other than the Bible? The Bible is, the Bible is an autobiography. It's God giving us his story about himself. It's God saying, look, here I am. Come walk with me. Do life with me. Come closer. Come nearer to me. That's what this book is. It's amazing. And in this book, there's also a collection of letters. Letters that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God, but written by men to men. Written by people to other people about Stuff that happens in in people's lives. It's all right here in the Bible. And today we're going to look at one of the shortest of those letters. The shortest of Paul's letter, actually. And it's Philemon. How many of you have spent a lot of time in Philemon lately? Yeah, I didn't think a lot of hands are going to go. But you're going to spend a lot of time in Philemon this week starting right now. I don't want the length of this letter, the shortness of this letter, to make you think it's not significant. Because this letter is explosive. It's off the charts. It's exciting. It has so much to say to you right here, right now about your life today, about your life with God and your life with others, about how we interact and deal with humanity even right now on this broken planet, right here in this short letter. This short letter wasn't written to a church. This short letter wasn't written to a community or a group of communities. This short letter was written by one man to one man about one man about a slave named Onesimus. But before we dive in, I want to ask some questions, and I want some interaction here, okay? I don't want to be the only one talking. I don't want to be the only one waving my hands and, and doing all that kind of stuff. If you've been around, you know I like to talk with my hands a little bit. So anyway, I want you all to talk with your hands right now and with your mouths when I ask these questions. So answer these questions for me with some confidence, some conviction, and um, just some reality. Here's question number one. Have you ever really messed up? Yes, hands up in the air. Look around and tell the person next to you, you messed up. You've really messed up. Hey, the Bible tells us we've all messed up and fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned, fall short. We've all messed up. We've all messed up. Now, here's the second question. Have you needed someone to show you mercy? Can you rate? Yeah? I mean, 
Oh, man. I, I wish I could say, yeah, back in the day I needed somebody. I messed up, and back in the day I needed somebody to show mercy. But, I mean, this has happened, like, in the last week. Anyway, um, here's question number three. It's not quite as, as general, maybe a little more specific to you. Have you ever run away from a problem hoping it would just disappear? Have you? La, 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 I just don't want to see it. If I just turn my back on it, if I just ignore it, it'll just kind of go away. It'll just, I won't have to deal with it if I just ignore it long enough. Have Have you ever been there? Yeah, I almost was there on that Highlander that I had to repair right there. I was close to saying, if I just ignore it, keep the zip tie on it, that's going to be good enough. I was close. This short letter of Philemon helps us process these kind of questions and this kind of, these kind of aspects of our life about what do you do when you mess up? Man, how do we receive and how do we give mercy? And how do we not just ignore the problems, not just that we run into, but, the, but more importantly, the problems that we created? How do we not ignore those? Philemon, right here. We're, we're in our Mission 27 journey. We're going through the 27 books of the New Testament. Here's the backdrop on Philemon. Uh, there was this slave named Onesimus. Seems like he wasn't a very good slave because Paul called him useless. Okay, that's not, that's not, a, good, that's not a good term. You know, I don't, anyway. Um, so this, this, this apparently useless slave, he was lazy, rebellious, resentful, and he decides to run away. And so he runs away from his, from his master. He looks for the biggest city he can find because you can get lost in a big city. It's easier to get lost in a big city. So he runs away to Rome to try to get away from, uh, from the world and everything he had to deal with in life. Now, the punishment for a slave who would run away was crucifixion. Very painful, very public, and very final. I mean, it, it was it, right? It, it, it was... And, and, and that, that's, what, that's what would happen to runaway slaves. They'd be crucified in front of everybody, and that would be the end of them. And, and this is what Onesimus deserved because he ran away, but God stepped in. And God sovereignly had other plans for this guy's life. He didn't create him for that end. And so what happens to Onesimus? He runs away. He's in Rome, and all of a sudden, he finds himself face-to-face talking with this guy named Paul who's chained to a Roman soldier. How about that? Well, here's, here's a lesson, and maybe this is going to really minister to somebody today, just already from, from just, this, just dipping our toe in Philemon, in the book of Philemon. When you read this, you're going to get this reminder that even when we're running away, God's grace is still at work in our lives. Even when we're running away, even when we're trying to hide, even when we're taking things into our, into our own hands to try to make our life better and do it our way, even when we're running away from God, God is still at work in our life. His mercy is still there. He's, he's still running after us. We're running away. He's running toward us. That's just how good God is. And maybe somebody need to hear that this morning. Be reminded of that. Maybe for one of your children who's been running away from God, from you, and, and, and everything good in, the, in their life. I, I don't know. But God did that with this, this slave who was running away named Onesimus. And he's still doing it today in our lives because he's good. Now, what does Paul do? He, this slave, this Onesimus guy... 
sure he didn't go to Paul and go, hey, I'm a slave. Let's talk, you know, but, but he's, he's chatting with Paul. And what does Paul do when he talks to somebody? He shares the gospel. That's just what Paul does. That's just what we should do all to y'all. We should. That should be one of the first things that comes out of our mouth. Should be the goodness of Christ Jesus, the gospel of Christ Jesus. So Paul shares the gospel with this guy named Onesimus. And, and what happens when this guy hears the gospel? Well, what scripture says happens that the gospel is the power of God to bring salvation to people. And so Onesimus hears the gospel from the apostle Paul. He believes in Christ Jesus, the Savior, and he's saved. He's saved. And now he becomes a brother in the Lord to Paul and every other believer that ever has walked on this planet. That's what happened to this guy that day. And we read this in Philemon 1.10. It says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, And this is Paul speaking, who became my son. He became my son, his spiritual son, on that day while I was in chains. In other words, I'm writing to you about this guy that just got saved. I'm writing to you, Philemon, about this guy, Onesimus, that has gone from being a slave to being a brother. From slave to brother. That'd be a good title for this message. From slave to brother. What a blessing. But there's a twist. There's a twist. You see, instead of Paul saying, hey, brother in the Lord, I'm here for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help hide you from your master and, and from crucifixion and all the problems that are going to come to you or could come to you because of the mistake that you've made. Instead of doing that, what does Paul do to this new brother in the Lord? He says, you got to go back to your master. You got to go back to him. You got to make things right. You got to face the music. You got to face the music. Most people believe that when we become a Christian, that we be, when we become a new creation in Christ Jesus, that that we can just run away from our past, put it all behind us. And in a lot of ways, it's true. We do run away from our past. But in other ways, that's not the case. Now, we know this, that we're no longer responsible for God for the sins that we committed against him. Our, our past is paid for. That, that slate of sin has been washed clean. Our sins are as far as the east is from the west. God sees them no more. There's no more past. There's just present and future. We're moving forward in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. That's how it is before God. But here's the reality. Our past is still there. And the sins that we committed and the things that we did, the people that we did wrong, that's still there, and we are still responsible for those sins that we committed against others. Not before God, but to the ones that we committed them against. Point number one, you're forgiven by God, but responsible to man. You're like, I didn't want to hear this message today. Well, suck it up, buttercup. You know what I'm saying? Here's the Bible. This is good for us. This is good for you. God's ways bring good results. They bring good results. Onesimus could have said, what are you talking about, Paul? Go back to my master. 
You know what I'm guilty of? You know how, how useless I was to him and how wrong I did him? Do you realize what he can do to me? Yeah, but God's ways are right. Let's walk this out God's way. Let's walk this out God's way. You're forgiven by God, but responsible to man. You see, instead of ducking from the past, Christians are called to make the past right. We're called to confront it, confess it, and do what? We're called to correct it. Confront it, confess it, and correct it. You see, I did my job this week. I got all the C's, you know, all in a row right there. So that's what pastors are supposed to do, right? Alliterations or whatever they call that thing. But that's what we're called to do. When we become Christians, we're not called to run away from our past, to run away from our responsibilities, to run away from the pain that we've caused and, and just all the carnage that's, that was behind us as we were just living for ourselves and sinning against God and people. We're called to confront it, to confess it, and to correct it. You know, repentance, a big part of repentance involves restitution. It just does. Think about this. So I'm not, let's pretend I'm not saved, right? Before I got saved, okay? And I'm out and I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm being, I'm being worldly. I'm out just carousing. Man, I'm out just, I'm out. I, I, I mean, I, I get this huge tab at the bar and at all these other places and all these things I shouldn't do. And my credit card bill gets super high with all this sin and all this stuff, all this stuff I'm doing just to make my flesh happy and all that. But then I run into a guy who shares the gospel with me. I get saved. Woo! My sins are forgiven. It's as though all that stuff of the past before God, he doesn't see anymore. I'm cleansed from it. It's done. It's finished. It's gone. I'm still responsible for the bar tab and the credit card bill that I rang up. I'm still responsible. Still responsible for those things. Repentance involves restitution. It does. Not with God. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to do penance with the Lord. Maybe you've grown up with that kind of mentality. Man, I come to Christ. I want to get right with God. We'll go out and say this many Hail Marys and then do this and, and, and prove that you really, really deserve to be forgiven by God. No, no, no. Not with God. That's not the case. But the sins you committed against others, the carnage that you left, the hurt, the pain, the debt, you need to confront it, confess it. You need to correct it. You can't use God as a scapegoat from taking personal responsibility. So what does Paul do? He sends Onesimus back. Sends him back. God's calling us to make it right with those that we've hurt before we became Christians and maybe since we've become Christians. You know, some people like to run away. And I want to just say this right now. I've seen this happen. I've witnessed this happen. Not in this church, but I've watched this happen. Somebody will come to Christ. And they're married, right? They're married. They come to Christ. And they're like, man, I'm on fire for Jesus right now. I'm made new. I'm ready to go on this whole new trajectory that God has for me. But my husband will not come with me. He doesn't want anything to do with God. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave him behind, and I'm going to follow the Lord. It's like, what are you talking about? That's God's will for you? Really? 
No, don't use God as a scapegoat. Don't use salvation in Christ. Don't use your new, new life in Christ Jesus as a way to walk away from the past and the responsibilities that you have. Instead, lean in to the grace of God that saved you and is teaching you now to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. Remember we were in Titus, you know? But lean into that grace that will give you everything you need to stand and to stay in the situation you're in right now. Don't use God as a scapegoat. We can't run away from our responsibilities. That's not what Jesus did. Remember when Jesus was, the night before he was betrayed, and he's in the garden, and he's, he's literally sweating blood, and, and he's, just, he's just fully God, fully man, and the man side of him is going, I know what's about to happen, and this is going to be Horrific. I'm about to take the sins of the world upon myself. And he says, God, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. As new creations in Christ, fueled by God's love and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, as those who are now filled with compassion for others who've been forgiven so much, we can handle the responsibility we have now. We can, we can do what we're called to do. We can confront, confess, and correct um, our past because God is with us, he's for us, and his grace gives us all we need to do that. I think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you know, comes to Christ and, and he believes and and instead of just stopping, you know, the cheating of other people, you know, with the money and all that kind of stuff, instead of doing that, Zacchaeus actually goes back to those that he's wronged and he makes it right with them. And after reading about that, then we read Jesus make this statement. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Yeah, you really get it. Yeah, you really do have my heart. You really are walking in the kingdom of God now. There's evidence of that. You understand that repentance involves restitution and making it right. Making it right. Repentance is more than just saying you're sorry. Repentance involves putting it right with others. So check this out. Paul sends Onesimus back to his master, but there's a glorious catch to it. Onesimus' master, Philemon, is also a believer a brother in the Lord. And so Paul reminds Philemon in this letter that he writes to this master of Onesimus, he reminds him that Christian brotherhood supersedes social constructs. That's a mouthful. That's the best I could come up with for the point. Anyway, Christian brotherhood supersedes social constructs. In other words, society might say, hey, this is how relationships work. But God says, wait a minute, in my kingdom, when you enter my kingdom, I got a whole different way that we relate to one another. Everything changes, not just your relationship with God, but how you relate to other people. Everything changes when we walk out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Everything changes when we've been made new, including how we relate now to one another. 
This is something that, that I think everybody can understand because you've probably been run over by this truck in the world. And that is, is that this world is all about how we can use one another for our own gain. It just is. If you've walked a foot, let alone a mile, you've probably been used in this world by someone, if not just by the culture that we live in, the society and the structures that are in place. I mean, that's what makes the world go round, using other people. You look at any socioeconomic construct, whether it's communism, socialism, and even capitalism. This is what makes the world go round. One person using another person for their own gain. It just is. And so that's why you got this guy, Oliver Anthony, who writes this song. I don't know if you've heard it. I'm not necessarily recommending it. There's some language in it. But, um, but he writes a song that goes to number one. He's just a, a hillbilly, you know, who, who, who has a guitar. And he records himself writing this song and singing this song. And it goes to number one. And what's it all about? It's basically saying... It's called, by the way, the song's called Rich Men North of Richmond. Richmond, Virginia, north of Richmond is Washington, D.C. The rich men in Washington, D.C. that are using everyone else for their own gain. That's what, that's what this world is. People using people for their own gain. That's the kingdom of of this fallen, broken world. But God's economy is different. When we enter God's economy as family, we become truly useful to one another. Not using one another, but actually useful to one another and to God as we become brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, members of the same family of God. So the name Onesimus, by the way, actually means useful. That's what Onesimus means, useful. Now, he wasn't useful when he was outside of God's kingdom, outside of his family, just in, in the constructs of, of the world system and, and how the world was using him and abusing him and how he was reacting to that and frustrated with it and, and rebellious to it and all that kind of stuff. He was, he was useless, but, but when he came into God's kingdom and he became a member of God's family, a brother in the Lord, all of a sudden, he lives up to what he's been named in the first place, and that is useful. It says in, in verse 11 of Philemon, formerly, Paul says, he was useless to you. He's writing to Philemon, the master, about his slave Onesimus. He said, formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. In other words, Paul's saying, you might have found you might have found this guy useless in the past, but I'm sending him back to you now actually useful. There's been a transformation that's happened in his life. He's not the same man. But he's not only just useful to you, he's a brother now to you, a brother in Christ. Equal. Also an heir and a co-heir with Christ Jesus. And then Paul says, hey, and if he owes you anything, stole stuff from you, I'll repay it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of my brother's debt. God wants to take every one of us. I'll just say it this way. God wants to take you from simply being someone who's 
being used to someone who's useful. And God wants us to see each other not as someone to use, but someone who's useful in God's kingdom. Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, heirs and co-heirs, equal. We're in this together. We're spending eternity together. Point number three, Christians do hard things. Christians do hard things. Um, it was hard for Paul to let Onesimus leave him. Why? Because he enjoyed his fellowship. Imagine that. You're in, you're in chains. You're in prison. And you got somebody who comes, and then you share the gospel with him. He, he gets on fire for Jesus, and you get to disciple him, and all you see all this change happening in his life. The last thing you want to do is see him leave. You're enjoying it, man. you got a new brother in the Lord that you get to spend time with. So Paul had to do the hard thing. It was hard for him to let Onesimus go. It was hard for Onesimus to return to his master. Think about the fear of returning. What could happen to him? Society said he'd be crucified, put to death. And it was hard for Philemon to receive Onesimus back as a brother, to forgive him, to accept him, to stop using him. But Christians do hard things. That's what we do. We do hard things. And we can do hard things because God helps us. We have his grace. We can do hard things. I'm reminded of that, that quote. I just put it in my notes this morning, actually. And, and I've shared this recently. I think it was in a daily dose. That basically, it goes this way. It says, hard times create strong men. Y'all familiar with this one? Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. As Christians, we need to be those who do hard things. We need to be those who are strong men and women. Who do the right thing, who do the godly thing. And when we don't, hard times happen all around us. I'm going to tell you what, the world we live in right now, I, I've, been, I've been alive 55 years now. So I've seen a few things. Some of you think, man, that's old. Some of you think that's young. Whatever. I got some more years in me, so look out. Um, but here's the deal. So I've seen some things. And I've watched this happen. I've watched good times create weak men. I've watched the good times and the economic prosperity create lazy, lazy people who just expect the world and culture and everybody to give them something, who are unwilling to fight for what's right, who are unwilling to put themselves on the line to defend somebody else, who are unwilling to even put their social, social media reputation on the line to stand up and say what's right. I just want to challenge you. Are you a strong man or woman in the Lord and for the Lord, or are you weak? Are you contributing 
to good times or are you allowing the good times to weaken you to where now you're creating hard times? You're part of the problem, not the solution. Beloved, we're called to be part of the solution. We're called to do hard things, to do the right thing. That's what Jesus did. Jesus did the hard thing when he stepped down on this earth. He didn't just go along to get along and, and I just want everybody to like me. You know what? People hated Jesus. Not because he was obnoxious or because he didn't shower. No, not because of those reasons. People hated Jesus because their sin was revealed and they had to confront the fact that change needed to happen. I'm not saying that we're supposed to go out there and be obnoxious people. Please don't be that kind of person. Please don't. Don't get on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it now, and say stupid things and rude things. Don't do that. But stand up for what's right. Defend the weak and the fatherless, as it says in Psalm 82. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them, as it says in Ephesians 5.11. Be a man, be a woman of God. Who's not going to go along to get along and play along and, and, and just fly under the radar. Jesus didn't fly under the radar. Paul didn't fly under the radar. Christians don't fly under the radar. Stop it if you are. Stop playing it safe. But I got a wife and kids and I got a family and I got this and that. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and if we act that way, we're creating weak, hellish times for them. Anyway. Jesus did hard things for us. He stepped down from heaven. Step away from your comfort, please. Step away from it. That's the least we can do. Jesus stepped away from sitting at the right hand of the Father in heavenly realms. And he put on flesh, which, as you know and I know, is painful and difficult and not really always comfortable. And he went to the cross, and he took upon himself the sins of the world, your sins, my sins. He bore it all upon himself. He did hard things for you and for me. And if we're truly going to be like Jesus, then we have to be willing to do hard things. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying go out and try to find something hard and look for a, look for a fight and look for a problem. You don't have to go out looking for it. It's, it's already here. It's coming to you. It's here. You don't have to look for it. Okay? But don't back away from it. Don't cower. Don't cower. This is what we've signed on to as Christians. Hard things. Like forgiving one another for real. That's a hard thing to do. Because a lot of us have been done wrong by people, like really. I'm about to go to a meeting this week to help kind of mediate and, and, and be part of a situation of a mom and a, and a son who it's time for them to do hard things right now. And that's forgive and love and move forward. 
That's doing hard things also. It's time for us to start seeing one another as equals, as brothers and sisters, preferring one another, being gentle to one another, actually serving one another, putting down our agenda and what we want to do today to help one another. I want to call it out. Sean Donaldson, we had, a, we had the big storm hit and big part of one of our trees out there that just keeps falling apart. Anyway, another big part of the tree fell down in the storm and I just put it out on the connection page and said, hey, can anybody help? Within minutes, Sean's volunteering and he's, he's sacrificing whatever he had planned for the day for us, for his brothers and sisters so that we didn't have a, a broken tree sitting in our parking lot and on our lawn and in our walkway so that we could get to church today without jumping over the trees and everything else. I mean, that's just, that's just an example, just a small example, but a real example of it not being about us, but being about him and about others. Doing hard things, servant things, not selfish things. So I want to bring up this topic, slavery, because when you read Philemon, we come face to face with this topic of slavery. And some wrongly believe that the Bible condones and even encourages slavery. Why? Because slavery is in the Bible. Because the Bible talks about how to be a good slave and a good master and how to relate as a slave and master. Why does the Bible talk about that? Well, why does the Bible talk about divorce? Because sinful man does sinful things and wrong things. And so God is trying to help us navigate through that. I, I mean, God says, I can't imagine you getting divorced, but because you can't get along, let me talk to you about how to handle, you know, marriage that's falling apart and all that kind of stuff. So God, God talks about things that we struggle with, not because he condones it or encourages it or ever dreamt it or imagined it for us, but he helps us walk through those things as we're being sanctified and being made right. And so this topic of slavery is, is in the Bible. It was happening throughout the Bible, almost from the time that man sinned up until now. How many of you know there's, there's as much slavery, even more slavery today as there's ever been in the history of our world? And you think, what, what, we live in America? Yeah, what about that? The whole movie, Sound of Freedom, is about one pocket of slavery that's going on in our world right now, human trafficking. Sickness, disgusting. Sinful man has been enslaving one another. But just because man does this doesn't mean that God condones it. In fact, slavery is one of the furthest things from the mind of God that he would ever think that one of his precious creations would enslave and use one another in that kind of way. It was the furthest thing from his mind when he created us. Jesus came to set us free. God's all about our freedom. I've come that you might have freedom. I've set you free. It's for freedom that you've been set free. Read the Bible, right? Everything about God, everything about his heart for us is freedom. It's not slavery. He came to break the chains of slavery. Sin and every other kind of slavery associated with that. That's God's heart. That's what he's all about. God's plan for us is to become brothers. He created us as equals in 1 Timothy 1 verse 10. In fact, it, Paul condemns slave trading right along with murders, the sexually immoral, and liars. Read it. 1 Timothy 1.10. Right in there. Furthest thing from God's heart. So, but, but this is something we got to understand that brings us to point number four. This is how God does things. You see, Jesus crushes evil from the inside out. And that's what you're going to see as it relates to slavery 
right here in this book of Philemon. Jesus crushes evil from the inside out. Paul didn't try to abolish slavery. Did you notice that? He sent him back. He was sending the slave back to Philemon, but he sent him back with a letter and encouraged him to deal with Onesimus now God's way, to have God's heart and God's perspective on it. See, the slave-master relationship between Philemon and Onesimus was ultimately broken, but how? How? By changing their relationship. By changing the relationship from relationship that has been created in this world, in the, in, in the kingdom of darkness, and transferring them and therefore their relationship into the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of light. Going from a slave-master relationship to a brother in the Lord relationship. And in the process of that, Jesus destroys, he crushes evil from the inside out. This is your brother now. Paul is essentially telling Philemon about Onesimus. This is your brother now, not your property. This is your brother now, not somebody to use for your own gain. No, this is your brother now. It's another picture of why this world needs Jesus. Because we need evil to be crushed from the inside out. Now, look, we can either use force to fight back evil, and sometimes this is necessary. It just is. Sometimes you just got to stand up, and you got to draw the line, and you got to stop the evil from advancing. But ultimately, Jesus crushes evil from the inside out. Lasting change. We need to break it with love. We need to break it from the inside. We need, people need Jesus. People need Jesus. People need to come out of the kingdom of darkness and come out of, of operating, you know, by that spirit of darkness and come into the kingdom of light and start loving one another instead of using one another. There's even a bigger reason for Philemon in the Bible, though. Point number five. Let's, let's hit this one before we finish. And that is this. This whole story, this whole interaction, this whole thing that happens with Onesimus and Philemon and, and coming to Christ and, and going from slave to brother, it all does one thing. It points us to the gospel. It points us to, to God's plan for all of us. This letter, this story, it's a perfect picture of salvation and what God has done for us. It's a picture of the gospel of Jesus. We're that slave. That's who you were. That's who I was. I was that slave. I was useless to God. Not only that, I was running from God. I was looking to get away from any kind of personal responsibility. I wanted to do things my own way. We're that slave. We all ran away from God. We ran to our sin, and we were useless to the Lord. But someone paid our debts and presented us then back to God. Didn't hide us from God, but then turned us back to God, the one we were running from. Turns us back to God now, but not the same. Turns us back to God, made new, new creations, new identity. No longer sinners, but saints. This is what God has done. And Jesus did this for you and for me. I pray he's done. I know he's done it for you. Have you, have you received it? 
What did he do? He, he stopped us while we were running. And then he changed us. And he presented us back to God as new creations. Notice that. Even as I just read my notes there. Who did what? He stopped us. He changed us. And he presented us back to our creator as new creations. That's the gospel. That's what Christ has done. Onesimus heard that message from the Apostle Paul. He believed it. He received it. And his whole world changed. And I pray that you would hear that message today of what Christ has done for you. And that you would believe what he's done for you. And that you would receive what he's done for you. And that you too would have your world completely changed. And that you would experience what it means to have your identity changed. You would experience what it means to come out of the kingdom of this crazy, messed up, twisted, use one another kind of world and to step into the kingdom of God. Peace and joy and wholeness. No longer a sinner, but a saint. No longer an orphan, but a child of God. A brother, a sister, an heir, a co-heir with Christ Jesus. That's what God has for you and for me. This letter written to Philemon by the Apostle Paul reveals the heart of God. The heart of God for you. And by the way, also for your neighbor and your coworker, your family member, your spouse. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion together. And we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to remember what he did for us. We are now called to do for others. The grace, the mercy that he showed us, we're now called to extend to others. If you don't have the elements, there are some at the back table, at the back of the center aisle. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11 as we take communion. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. And so right now as we take and eat, remember the hard thing that Christ has done. It is finished. The hard thing that he has done for you. Let's eat. Paul writes, and he says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A new covenant, the new life, the new identity, a new future we have in Christ Jesus. That's what we're remembering. Let's drink.
invite you to stand up. Invite the ministers to come forward. And as always, you know, at the end of every service, we have prayer ministers up here, just your brothers and sisters in the Lord, just regular people like you and me that are here to pray with you and for you. If you got issues, if you got anything that you need God to just show up in your life with, I want you to bring those needs and ask one of these brothers or sisters in the Lord to pray with you and for you. But also, I want to just speak to anybody who walked in this room who's been running from God. You've been running away. Like Onesimus was running away from his master. You've been running away. It's God's desire. His plan for you. His purpose for you is that you would encounter him today. That you would encounter the work that his son Jesus has done for you. That today would be your day where everything changes, where you go from running from God to being made new by his son Jesus and presented back to your creator, a brother in the Lord, a child of God, your sins forgiven, all things made new, It's no accident that you're here today or watching today. This is God's will and desire for you today. And just like Onesimus heard that message and believed and said, yes, that's my prayer is that you would hear this message. That you would believe. That you would say yes. And if that's what you want to do today, as we close and others are walking out to fellowship, I invite you to come forward and share with one of these brothers or sisters in the Lord just your desire to walk with Jesus today and forever. They'll share with you, they'll pray with you, and and today will be that, that day. From being an orphan to being a child of God, all things made new. And I want to say what you have received, what we've all received from the Lord, that mercy, that grace, go and give it to others. Go and share it with others, just like Paul did with Onesimus. Go and share it with somebody this week and watch what the gospel will do in someone's life be blessed and also enjoy your day off from labor and getting back to work on Tuesday God bless you